Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Zen nicotine products are only for adults 21 plus who currently use tobacco or nicotine. Are you ready for a fresh start? And we mean a real fresh start with lasting change. Take the Zen 10 challenge and switch up the way you've been enjoying nicotine. Available in a variety of tastes and strengths, Zen nicotine pouches deliver smoke-free and spit-free nicotine satisfaction. Try Zen nicotine pouches for 10 days or your money back. Your fresh start is here. Take the Zen 10 challenge today at zen.com slash 10. That's zyn.com slash 10. Ford Motor Company is committed to moving forward together with new all-electric vehicles that offer an efficient and exhilarating driving experience. Ford is going above and beyond to not only create the smartest, most connected EVs and technology, but to make sure that customers are well-educated on how to move forward with electric energy. Ford customers will also have easy and simple access to charge, whether you charge at home with the overnight plug-in Ford mobile charger or on the road. Journey into the future with Ford's lineup of electric vehicles with many affordable options to choose from. Head over to Ford.com to learn more. Built Ford Proud. So I was in the AT&T store for an upgrade. I left with AT&T's best deal on a smartphone and a choice of plan. But on my way out, here comes this new guy. A non-carrier phone and a plan that raised eyebrows. I felt for him. When I tell you, we left the store grinning from ear to ear with the same deal. I love watching people prosper. You feel me? That's when I learned that whether you joined today or have been with AT&T for years, they'll have the same best deals for everyone on every smartphone. Eligible plan required. Offers vary by device. Restrictions may apply. See att.com slash deals for details. Oh, gee. Make some noise. Hey, this is Mara Schiavocampo. You may know me from television as a reporter for shows like Dr. Oz and Good Morning America. But this podcast isn't about any of that. A few years ago, I started a major life transformation, losing 90 pounds and gaining a new understanding of how the mind, body, and spirit work together. That's what this is about. Your best life, Elevated. We all know the rules for good health. Eat your veggies, drink water, exercise, don't smoke, and get plenty of sleep. But in recent years, doctors have started paying a lot more attention to how something else factors into our health, our emotional state. Can things like work stress, bad relationships, or money problems actually be slowly killing us? And what, if anything, can we do about it? Today on Elevated, I'm joined by Dr. Philip Steig, world-renowned neurosurgeon and chairman and founder of the Weill Cornell Brain and Spine Center, here to help me answer one seemingly simple question. Do happy people live longer? Dr. Steig, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's so, a real pleasure. Um, we met at a, an event for the American Heart Association, and you are incredibly accomplished. If I read your bio, that would take up the whole podcast episode. But what I liked about you is that you said you had gone to Soul Cycle, and I felt like any man who was willing to practice what he preached. <laughs> it was my son's ep- uh, attempt to kill me. <laughs> right, right. So what's interesting is that you know I was doing some research about kind of heart health and all this stuff, and I came across a statistic that blew me away. I'm sure you know this, but this was news to me. It's about the heart. It says it's the only organ that can move itself. It beats three billion times in the average person's lifetime, and it can empty a swimming pool in a week. 
That's pretty fascinating. Well, it's uh, it, what we emphasize is the heart-brain connection. The, the heart is a muscle uh, that has electrical impulses, and it just runs like this independent machine. The electrical, electrical impulses to it are regulated to a certain degree and provided by the brain. Then there's also internal mechanisms in terms of the way the nerve cells run within the heart. It's an incredibly efficient organ if you treat it well. If you treat it well. And that's what you were referring to earlier, how to treat it well. But typically we've thought of treating it well being the physical factors. So you exercise, you sleep, you eat right. But is there an emotional component to that? Managing your stress, managing your emotions. Is that part of treating your body well? Absolutely. And there's there's growing knowledge in regard to how the the, the brain-heart interaction occurs. I think the things are to remember is, is stress. You were talking about stress and anxiety in one's life and what that does. Well, it affects your, what's a hormone called cortisol. The cortisol levels are secreted from your adrenal gland. Uh, and it impacts on your inflammatory responses to things. And those episodes or those responses will affect the blood vessels within your heart and when we talk about a heart attack, it's because the blood vessels get plugged up within your heart and they can't get the blood they need to their uh, muscle and you start having chest pain. So how do you reduce that? Well, you have to learn mechanisms for controlling stress in your life. When I get upset, you know, there's a, I, there's a very predictable way that I feel. Like I got a phone call last week that was very upsetting and instantly... My heart started racing, right. and I started to feel like it's like this wave of kind of heat in my chest. It's the fright and flight response. What is happening? Yeah, yeah it's, it, it's a typical response. And, and one should distinguish between that kind of brief episode of anxiety or stress versus chronic stress. In actuality, that brief episode of stress is good for you because if you're running into an episode where, say, somebody's trying to mug you, all of a sudden, you know, your eyes start to constrict, your muscles tense up, your heart rate increases, your breathing increases, and you start to concentrate much more effectively. So that brief stressor is actually good, and there's release of that uh, from the adrenal gland. So that's gland. not killing me? That's not killing you. Okay. No, the short-term stuff. It's the long-term stuff. If every day you're living in an abusive relationship or you're working in a difficult environment where your boss is picking on you, and day in and day out you're stressed by that, that is not good. Okay. So what is actually happening there? Let's say you hate your job, your boss is abusive, you feel like you have no purpose, no passion. What is happening day after day? And you're underpaid. Right. <laughs> Most importantly. Um, well, a, a whole series of things are happening, okay? And, you know, so it's not just one thing. <clears throat> In terms of the immune response, you know, there is a, a, an increase in these cytokines, these secretory components from cells that enhance the activity of your immune system. Now, in the acute phase, that can be good, but in the chronic phase, it can start beating up and injuring your blood vessels. There's also the, what's, uh, there are areas of the brain. One area is called the hypothalamus. Another one is called the pituitary. And a number one, another area is called the hippocampus and the amygdala. And these are all interrelated via both hormones and chemicals, but also nerve cells. And to varying degrees, these centers are activated and they can either help or hurt the brain. 
So if you have chronic stress, uh, we know that that can affect the hippocampus, which is a very important part of your brain for learning and for memory. We know that there can be suppression of the release of neural transmitters, such as serotonin and dopamine. Those are the happy neurotransmitters. And that's why when people are chronically depressed, psychiatrists will put patients on uh, serotonin reuptake inhibitors, okay? So that it increases the amount of serotonin within your brain and makes you happy. And then again, there's the, the, the hypothalamic pituitary system, which plays a role in the secretion of these different kinds of, of, of hormones, which can have good and bad effects depending upon the stimulus. So in the simplest of terms, it sounds like it's screwing up your hormones, which are then having... It's, well, it's screwing up your hormones, your but it's also changing the activity of your brain cells, okay? And then the interaction between the brain cells. And all of this, interestingly enough, is part of what's the original brain when we were much more primitive animals. It's called the limbic system. So it was there way, way, way back when. And you know, the functions of these areas are altered so that your responses to stress and pleasure are affected. Are there any emotions that are going to be more problematic for your health than others? Because there are a lot of things that can fall under stress. Let's right. say grief, you lose someone who is very dear to you, right. versus anger, you're in a rage all of the time. Are there any emotions that are better or worse for your health? Well, certainly happy emotions are better for you. Right. Okay, so joyfulness, uh, giving, friendly relationships, intimate relationships. When they've studied people that live into their 90s, they've found that these are people that generally have the ability to laugh. They generally have good relationships with people. They're generally friendly. Uh, they get a little bit of exercise. They have a good sense of humor, and they're communicative. Now, how do those things actually make you healthier? How does being happy, what is happening there physically? What is happening is that you have the reduce reduction in the release of neurotransmitters, what are called adrenaline, noradrenaline, so you don't get the constriction of your blood vessels, you don't get injury to those blood vessels, and thereby you know, the, the blood supply to the important organs in your body, i.e. your brain and your heart, your pancreas, your kidneys, and, and even importantly now, there's this whole big area of interest in terms of the gut-brain connection. Right, that's a very new, I mean, people are really into right. that. Right, the, the microbiome. Right. And so all of that, if there's, if, if you have a stressful life and you have, and you eat crap food, you're going to have more inflammation within your gut, and that affects the way things are reabsorbed or absorbed into your body. It affects your glucose metabolism, which is important for all the cells functions within your body. So there's, it isn't unfortunately just one thing. There isn't one pill that I can give you to make everything better. It's really a whole lifestyle behavioral change that has but to occur. But this is a kind of the emotional component. This is a component of that web right. that I feel like we have not always talked about. That, it, you know, I certainly grew up thinking that like my immune system was going to fight germs. Right. It had nothing to do with what was happening in my life or with my emotional state. Now, is that no? Now we know accurate? that your immune system can actually have deleterious or harmful effects on your body if it's induced by things like bad food or uh, continued stress. And I think we need to really emphasize to the people listening to you that it's not just that you know I had a knockdown, dragout fight with my loved one, and then you get on and you make up. 
and and life goes on. It's more of the, you know, I've been living with this person for for ten years, and every day of it, it's been a grunt. Mm-hmm. You know, those kind of chronic things are the things that but really. Those episodes that you described is that good to like fly into a rage? I mean, and it's not good in terms of your relationships, but in terms of your health. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, again, it depends on how frequently you're talking about this. Uh, but it is it, it it it's been shown that people that suppress their suppress their anger and suppress their tears are actually hurt just as much as the person who has chronic kind of anxiety wow. and anger so suppressing it isn't good for you either they've also analyzed uh some of the hormones that are in your tears uh when a when a person has suppressed their anxiety and emotion for a while and then they and then they finally break down and cry Wait, there are different hormones that are secreted in your tears, depending on what kind of tears they are? Supposedly, there are different hormones within the tears that they can they can then determine that that uh, you've had a, a prolonged, more stressful episode in your life. So if I cry tears of joy, are the they're, components they're in gonna, those tears going to be different than if a loved one dies? By several studies, yes. Really? Yeah. That is fascinating. But tears of joy are good. But don't you think that's fascinating? Because they're coming Not. from the same part of your body. Absolutely. I mean, that's why. I mean, I think that's why you're interested in what I had to say when when, when we first met. I think that uh, you know, I have a very my occupation is very focused. I take care of problems in the brain, but what's really important is about how the patient responds to what I do to them, and that's why we've started this whole brain health movement at Weill Cornell Medicine to help people get through the stress. I mean, let's face it, some people have post-traumatic stress disorder after they've gone through some heroic stroke or something like that or a, a bad brain tumor. Mm-hmm. So we have, to, we have to learn how to help those people. Mm-hmm. So are there any emotions that are, are worse for you? Is anger worse than, say, grief? I, I wouldn't want to say that it's worse than. I think that it's it's more the chronicity. You know, how long is it going on? So if a person is chronically depressed for years, they're going to have deteriorated memory, deteriorated concentration. Uh, obviously, they're not going to have appropriate emotional responses to uh, a, a various stimuli. A person who is chronically angry is also going to have those uh, kinds of activities. They're not going to be able to concentrate. They're not going to respond. They're not going to perform well at work. Then they all of a sudden get the additional stress from not performing well at work, and things start to compound upon each other and make life miserable. This is really about, like you said, a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle and a life balance, and I think that that's, uh, you know, People laugh because I'm a neurosurgeon and, and you know, I'm, I'm talking about how important it is to have a balance in your life. Taking that deep breath, meditating, relaxation, and there's just different forms of meditation. Then there's yoga, there's regular exercise, there's appropriate diets. You know, sleep is an incredibly important thing. And also friendships uh, are, are exceedingly important in terms of your overall well-being. You're literally a brain surgeon. Literally a brain surgeon, not a rocket scientist. Well, do you think it's funny when people say, like, come on, it's not brain surgery. <laughs> do you get a kick out of that? That makes you the smartest person I, in the world. I take advantage of it. <laughs> Wouldn't you? <laughs> right. Absolutely. I play that card a lot. Yeah. Um, so what do you see in your patients in terms of how their outlook, um, you know, the things that you mentioned, meditation, spirituality, religious beliefs, prayer, faith, how do those things affect 
how they heal and recover. You know, they they come to you when they're not in great shape. How do, how does it affect their recovery? Well, certainly stressful situations alter your glucose metabolism, which then can have an effect on your wound healing. So just the basic stuff, the incision and, you know, manipulating an organ and, and, and taking out something, it, it, you're not going to heal as well if you have all these other, the deleterious, the bad things going on, the stress, uh, bad diet and things like that. So we work with individuals preoperatively, uh, for p- patients that are willing, preoperatively, I will have them meet with our integrated health people and they will go through what what a surgery is like, the, the emotional and physical implications of that, things that they might experience, so that when they go through it, they go, aha, this is normal, Nothing. I'm not going to die. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, you know, everybody with brain surgery worries about dying. They know they're not going to get through that. But then, you know, there are people that are just a patient that I just had in the past couple of weeks. It was so incredibly anxious that he calls, postoperatively now, he calls my office every day because every little thing He's worried that something bad is happening, mm. and you know, we we you know we have to we have to help that person get through that, and that's kind of this post traumatic stress disorder that we we want to help them with as mm. well. Do you find that faith is helpful um, in healing and recovery? Absolutely. I mean, if a person is, uh, I mean, it's not one of these situations where I say you should go find God or go find your but religion. They already have that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In an individual that has a deep sense of faith, and they, uh, the, I. It's. I will clarify this by saying that I think that if a person has a sense of faith that is dark and anxiety-provoking, that's different than a person who has faith that is uplifting, spiritually fulfilling, and creates a a a, a sense or a sense of emotion that is engaging. Okay, so it's more of the positive waves that come from the faith. What are the things that people can do to manage, you know, what you call this chronic stress? How can you incorporate certain things into your lifestyle so that right. you can live longer and be happier? <laughs> so uh, what are the things that you can control? You, uh, I, want, I want to state clearly that you can't control your genetic basis, okay? So if you come from a family that has a high incidence of stroke, a high incidence of heart disease and a history of obesity and things like that, you know, you're going to have to pay extra attention to those risk factors. Okay. So you just, you can't change that. Now, hopefully someday we will be able to, you know, with genetic engineering. But the things that you can control, let's start, let's start with how do you spend, you know, eight hours, hopefully eight hours of your day? You sleep. So you need to make sure that you are getting the appropriate amount of sleep, that you're getting REM sleep, that it's not interrupted, the TV isn't going, you don't have music going on in the background, so that your body can truly rest. Why is that so important? Uh, it's the REM sleep cycle. It allows the brain to shut down. It allows the body's metabolism to alter. Uh, and during those time periods, the body can regenerate and repair itself. So your you know your gut wall gets uh, re uh, the the mucosa in in your gut wall is 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 repaired at that time. Uh, you know, the serum cortisol levels go down, so you don't have these stressor hormones that are uh, inducing inflammation. All of that levels off during your sleep. When you get up in the morning, and this is what I find probably one of the hardest things to do. And I'm an educated consumer, but is 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 buying a good diet. Go to the grocery store and try to buy a box of cereal. 
find one that doesn't isn't loaded with sugar you know right. and, and things like that so it's you really this is hard you know for even the person who wants to do a good job or you change your diet and don't eat cereals and you you, you don't load up on carbohydrates but uh, you know so you you want to eat healthy and then I know that there are a million and one different diet plans out there. I think that the for a heart-brain health perspective, there are three diets that I recommend to somebody. There's the Mediterranean diet that everybody knows about. You can look these up online. There's the MIND diet, M-I-N-D. And then there's the DASH diet. And if you're a person that has high blood pressure, that's a good diet to go look up. So you get that under control. And then I personally believe that some type of, of of meditation, whether it's compassion meditation or you know, uh, mindfulness meditation, uh, is extremely good for you. And if you can do it, preferably 20 minutes, but at least 10 minutes, say, in the morning and 10 minutes at night before you go to bed, it's been demonstrated to have beneficial effects on both the cells within your brain uh, and also positive effects on certain chronic illnesses. Mm. So that's that's helpful. Regular exercise is exceedingly important. Now, I'm not saying that you have to go out and, and you know, run marathons, but 30 minutes of getting your heart rate up is worth it. And you know, I, I don't run that much anymore. My joints hurt too much, so I run uphill. But as long as I get out there and I walk and I uh, really do an aggressive walk and get my heart rate up to 120 to 150, you know, that is good. And you can Why is that your- good for your heart? Well, I mean, again, your, your heart is a muscle. And you want to, like any other muscle, you want to use it and you want to get the heart rate up so that, in addition to that, it it has beneficial effects in terms of, again, the inflammatory responses. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you want to, you want to do exercise and yoga. Uh, you know, there two glasses of red wine a day uh, are, are, are good for you. What about vodka? <laughs> <laughs> well, vodka's the best for you in terms of caloric intake. Well, that's why I drink it. I All I and drink is, I mean, yeah. I don't drink very often, but when I do, it's just vodka or gin. Yeah. The red wine is good for you because of the, the supposed resveratrol that's in it. If you're, you know, if you're going to drink, you know, you want to limit it to two glasses of wine or, you know, one solid shot of, or two solid shots of, of, of like a hard Thank liquor. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you for that extra shot. Yeah. <laughs> you can still enjoy life. Well, you mentioned relationships. Yeah. Like, I feel like touch is very important. You know, when a baby's born, they tell you to do the skin to skin. You know, you take off your shirt, you take off their shirt, and you actually right. press their skin on yours. But I always feel really good when I'm engaged in some kind of contact with people. What's right. what's happening there? Again, it's a myriad of responses. I mean, there have been studies that have looked at individuals that have been exposed to either pictures or speech or different kind of images of varying activities. So if they're exposed to murder or they're exposed to love and touch, we see that, that different electrophysiologically, different parts of the body are activated. Right, so in the you know fight, fright or flight activity, you see more activity in the arms and the legs because your muscles are starting to tighten up. Whereas if it's a more positive response, it's more centrally located within the you know the, the chest and the heart. So, oh, is that what is that true? Well, that's where you that's, feel it. Well, I mean, when you have a positive response, mm-hmm. don't you feel kind of that warmth yeah, and it's, relaxation? It's yeah, and it, you know that's where the expression came from. Now we've shown physiologically that it, that actually does occur. Now, um, you know, do we know that that's going to have long-term benef- beneficial effects? I mean, I can't point to a scientific study that suggests that. 
But again, common sense has to prevail. Mm-hmm. You know, I get asked all the time about cell phones causing brain cancer. Oh, what do you think about that? Uh, uh, you know, it, it's a slow news week. Right. You know, it's you know, uh, the, the incidence of utilization of cell phones has gone up into the billions, and the prevalence of malignant brain tumors has re- remained relatively steady. So, how so, about when I press my face against the microwave to see how much time until my food is ready? Is that the microwave give me brain cancer? <laughs> well, Mike, you know, I, I can't comment on microwaves. I don't know okay. that I don't know, but microwaves are different than the the, the frequency that is used on current cell phones, well, and it's not how, X-rays. You don't know how often I'm pressing my face to a microwave. Though, <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> Doctor, thank you so much for your time. This was extremely enlightening, and I appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure being with you. New episodes of Elevated drop on Mondays. Please subscribe and review. In the meantime, send me questions, ideas, or feedback. I'm on all social platforms as Mara Scampo. And use the hashtag Elevated Podcast. Ford Motor Company is committed to moving forward together with new all-electric vehicles that offer efficient and exhilarating driving experiences. Ford is going above and beyond to create the smartest, most connected EVs and technology and to make sure that customers are well-educated on how to move forward with electric energy. Don't be last to join us as we redefine what electric can do. Journey into the future with Ford's lineup of electric vehicles with many affordable options to choose from. Head over to Ford.com to learn more. Built Ford Proud. Stevenson University Online is a leader in forensic education for law enforcement, legal, and cyber investigations. If you are preparing for career advancement or career change, investigate our online master's programs in forensic science, CSI, forensic accounting, Forensic Investigations, and Cybersecurity and Digital Forensics. New online sessions start every eight weeks. No application fee or GRE required. Visit stevenson.edu slash online. Legal professionals know that e-discovery can be painful, but the right platform can help you find the truth in minutes. Just how Everlaw helped crack the case in the Theranos civil litigation. Using Everlaw's cutting-edge technology, the lead lawyer quickly combed through millions of documents to find his smoking gun. That's why Amlaw 200 firms, Fortune 500 corporations, and all 50 state AGs trust Everlaw to find critical information in massive amounts of data. Book your demo today at everlaw.com.